Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Psalms, we're going to be in the 119th Psalm. Uh, We're going to go through every last verse of the 119th Psalm. We may be here a little while. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. We're actually going to be starting in verse 105, Psalm 119, 105. And, uh, you know, that last hymn there, I love to tell the story. Oh, man, I love to tell the story of what Jesus did on on the cross of Calvary. You know, last week we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ from, uh, from the grave and how he conquered death so that way you and I may get to go to heaven. You know, Brother Tom gave a very informative message this morning about uh, the what is to come. You know, we were talking, a lot of us before church, about uh, what, you know, what we got out of that message this morning. And you know, what I got out of the message this morning was the importance of the gospel and how important it is uh, for us to share that gospel. There's a lost and dying world out there, folks. We all see it every day. A lot of us, most of us work in secular jobs. We're our own co-workers. You know, the foul mouths, the things that we hear them do, all these things, many of them self-proclaiming that there is no God. You know, I believe it was Jen that mentioned this, uh, this evening. The one thing she noticed in Brother Tom's message is when uh, they went to hide in the time of the tribulation, all those who were experiencing the wrath of God, they went to hide. And what happened? The rocks and the mountains came crumbling down, and there was no escape from what was to come. And Brother Tom even made sure to, that we remembered that was the first half. Oh, I praise God that I'm not going to be there. Oh, I praise God that he settled that for me. That on April 29th, 2012, that I said, Lord, I need you. I'm not getting to heaven without you. And oh, I praise God for what he's done in my life. Brother Tom, thank you for that message this morning. Oh, thank you for that message this morning. Psalm 119, 105 is a very, uh, 105, most of you probably know it by heart probably have it memorized, even some of you might even have it as wall display and decoration in your home. Psalm 105 says, the, uh, starting with Psalm 119, 105, I'm sorry, 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform, perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to Unto thy word, except I beseech thee the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me my teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law? The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have taken me in heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart, and I have inclined mine heart to perform thy statues always, even unto the end. I want you to pay or go back to that first verse in Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet 
in a light under my path. If you don't have that marked in your Bibles already, I would encourage you to mark that there in your Bibles. And that's where we're going to be for the most of the night. What, one verse? Yes, one verse. And uh, so we've read uh, the passage here. Let's go ahead and, and open here in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we come before you and give you praise for your word and your salvation, Lord. Father, I pray that through this message that hearts be touched and lives uh, be encouraged. Lord, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. Allow me to boldly proclaim your word, not my own. And Lord, we give you praise for the message we heard this morning. Allow it to continue to work in our hearts as we hear this message about your word. And Father, I just give you praise for all that you're going to do. In your son's holy and precious name, amen. Amen. Let me get my notes back up here. I'm going to preach to you a message this evening entitled, The Light of the Word. The Light of the Word. Now, there's one thing that as I've studied and been in Bible college and things of that nature, that I've found every, everybody who stud, who's a true, uh, I shouldn't say true, anybody who has taken time to learn uh, the Word and all the different ologies. Now, there's a lot of ologies out there. Most people know of theology, the, you know, the study of God and all his doctrines. Now, one of those doctrines is called bibliology. It's the study of God's Word. Oh, how I love to study God's Word. There's one thing that I've found in, this, in, in my Bible study and in, uh, in my Bible college and talking with uh, Pastor Aaron and Brother Tom. There's one thing in this world that continues to give me hope every day and remind me of what Christ did on the cross of Calvary for me, and that is the very Word of God. And as we look tonight, I want you to keep that in mind is keep in mind the Word of God and what it's done for you and what it continues to do for you and those in your life. Now, I do want to ask this question. Be honest. If you want to raise your hand, raise your hand. I believe we asked this question a few weeks ago. Who here is or was afraid of the dark? Whether you were a child or right now. Okay, I saw one hand go up. I'll tell you right now that when I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark. You know, we, we used to raise rabbits uh, for 4-H, and we kept them outside. Now, back home in Bristol, my house sits on a hill, and uh, our barn was off to the right. There was a light that came off the garage, and so going to feed the rabbits, it was fine. You know, going outside, I knew that light was there. I knew uh, that no matter what, mom and dad were right inside. But, you know, looking over our hill, it's just pitch black, and it goes into the, into the woods, and, you know, I, I was petrified of that. My dad used to tell me, hey, I need you to take the dog outside. Make sure you take him back over the hill. Uh-uh, not happening. I don't know what's back there. I had an irrational fear of coyotes. And we have a lot of coyotes in Bristol. I'm not familiar around here or not. But, you know, back home in Bristol, oh, boy, you heard them everywhere. I was petrified of that dark back there. And, you know, as I grew up and as I grew a little bit more uh, comfortable with my surroundings, it's not as scary. You know, I took my dog back there uh, a couple, couple nights ago and eh, just let him run around back there in the dark. It was fine. Everything was great. And, you know, my, my nephew, Logan, he's been coming with me on Wednesday nights. I'm sure if you met him, you know, he's a, you know, a ray of sunshine. Um, and, you know, I take all three of my nephews home Wednesday night after, you know, it's after dark. And Logan has reached that age. He's going to be six in July. Oh, man, he's going to be six. Uh, but he's going to be six in July and he's reached that point where he's afraid of the dark. 
I don't like the dark. If you ever hear them when we're either leaving on, uh, on Wednesday night or, yeah, it's usually when we're leaving, Braden and Logan always are, oh, but it's dark down that hallway. We can't go down there. You know, Braden has found out where all the light switches are in the church. And don't worry, Brother John, I told him, don't touch. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, Logan, he's afraid, he's deathly afraid of the dark. And when I take them home, I usually take my oldest nephew, Colton, home first. Because Logan and Braden are more on the way back to my house, on the way home. And, you know, every time I drop Colton off, it's a little bit dark, and I come back out into my car, and you know what's it's the funniest thing? Every time that I go inside and come back out, my dome light's on. You know, all my lights in my car are on, and I, I you know, one day I asked Logan, I said, Logan, are you turning on my lights? He goes, uh-uh. I said, well, then how are my lights getting on? You left them on. Really? I got in the car, when I got out of the car, the lights turned off. What happened? Oh, it's dark. I'm scared of the dark. And you know, that's, it's kind of like that in the world, isn't it? The Bible tells us in, that the world is, is full of darkness. And that through in our salvation, we find light. And that's what the scripture is saying here, that through God's word, we see that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word is that dome light in my car. That every time that something seems dark or something doesn't seem right, it's the best thing in the world to be able to open up God's word and see what he has for us. It's that dome light. It's the thing that, take, that we take with us no matter where we go, that we look forward to opening up every morning and every evening just to see, God, what have you put down for us? I don't know about you guys, but I love it. That from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, from the very first in the to the very last amen, I love this book. I love every word within this book. You know, when as a Sunday school class, we're supposed to be reading, and I, and I put emphasis on that, we're supposed to be reading through the Bible this year. Some of us, now we're supposed to be in 2 Kings by now, some of us are still taking our time in Exodus, Others of us are now in Isaiah and loving the prophet there. Uh, you know, but you know, each day that every single one of us get to open up that word, it doesn't matter if we're all the way back in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we're in Isaiah, the Gospels, the Epistles, all the way to Revelation. Guarantee that no matter what, there's an enjoyment there. That there's an encouragement there. That there's a blessing that God gives to us through his word. And it's that very light in our lives that helps us. Let me tell you, I've been to a point where it's dark. I've been to a point where it's dark. But it's been God's word that lit up the path. His word says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's God's word that shows us where to go. And I see, first of all, uh, this evening that we first must understand the ownership of the word. The ownership of the word. Whose word is it? God's word. And we see that in the very first two words right there, thy word. It doesn't say my word. It doesn't say uh, the world's word. It doesn't say the pastor's word or the priest's word or whoever's word. It says thy word. 
Psalm 119 is a, is a beautiful psalm giving testimony to the power and the love of God's word. Say that again, God's word. God's word. God wrote this for us. God found it fit to preserve it for us. And with that, if you would, turn to Psalm 12. We're going to look at verse 6 and 7 where it says, The words of the Lord are pure words as silver, tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Oh, I thank God every day that he didn't bury his word in the sands of, of, of Israel, that he didn't bury his words in the sands in the wilderness, that we still today have God's word. And we know that it's God's word because we see here in verse 6 where it says the words of the Lord. Once again, whose words is it? The Lord. Amen. And we have the words of the Lord are pure words. You know what that means? There's no corruption in God's word. There's no contradiction. And Psalm 119 9 tells us that we are cleansed by God's word. Hey, let me tell you that if this is God's word, I have found in this word that it has never let me down, that there has been never a contradiction in this Bible, that there has been everything in this Bible has been able to be ex explained. You know, as Baptists, the first B in our Baptist acrostic, acrostic uh, uh, distinctive is that we have the biblical authority in all matters of faith, and practice. Why is that? Because we know that God's word is pure, but we also see in the second part here that God's word is perfect, where it says that it's purified as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now, this morning, we talked out of the book of Revelation, and we saw some of the prophetic and the, and the uh, symbolic things within the book of Revelation. Those number seven within the Bible oftentimes depicts perfection completion, that we see that God's word is perfect, it's complete, as before, it's pure. We see that the number seven is associated with completion and perfection, that throughout the Bible, in Genesis 1 and 2, it says uh, that God created the world in seven days. And may I say, I believe that to be seven literal days, that God himself spoke everything into creation. And, in Gen or, and I really want to point out Genesis 1 and verse 31 where it says, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. I can just imagine God on the last day of creation, you know, uh, standing, looking over creation and going, All right, man, that's good. Oh, man, that's good. Man, that's perfect. That we know that God created it all. And it was, it was the sins of our own heart that brought it you know, not so good. I don't know if I can word it like that. But took it away from perfection. It was our sin. You know, one thing I never picked up on until last, or until last week was the significance of the crown of thorns. That it was because of our sin, thorns and thistles were brought upon this this world, that that very crown of thorns, the, the testament to our sin was placed on the head of our, of our Savior. That we see these things, that God's word is perfect, that even as he 
was on Calvary's tree. He spoke seven phrases. Seven phrases on Calvary's tree. And in the book of John, we see seven I am statements where we know that he is God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I can go through all of them. And don't even get me started. We talked about this this morning. Don't even get me started on the number seven in Daniel and Revelation. Oh, that number seven is perfect. It shows us that God is perfect and his word is perfect. And fi- or not finally, but this last sub-point here, I see God's word is preserved. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, and it says from this generation forever. God's word will stand now and forever. Titus 1-2 tells us that our God cannot lie. God promised to preserve his word. God promised that we that his words will never fade away. We see that in Matthew in verse 20, or chapter 24 and verse 35 where Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Whose words are they? God's, Jesus's, the Lord's. I praise God once again for this word that he's given to us. That it's pure, that it's perfect, that it is preserved. Once again, I cannot, fathom, I cannot think of you know, God taking his word after promising, promising us this and just burying it in the sands of, of, of the Middle East, of Israel and of Egypt. I can't, I can't think of it. That we've had God's word this entire time. We've had the gospel in our hearts. That we've hid the gospel in our hearts. And you know, I praise God that we were able to come and compile all 66 books. Once the canon uh, was finished, we were able to compile all 66 books into this uh, point number two, the very object of God's Word. Now, this is the physical object of God's Word. And where it says back in... um, Psalm 119, 105, the next part it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. A lamp unto my feet. It is the tool that provides the light, the lamp. You know, I can remember in scouting, there was the importance of a lamp or a flashlight or the tool of seeing lights. I remember one time in scouting, I went, uh, it it was after dark, you know, I had to wake up and go, do my business, um, and, you know, I'm walking, and I'm, I'm trying to find my way back to the tent. You know, I'm, I'm blind without these things, guys. I am blind without these things. Ask Annalise. I drove home from Cedar Point without them once. Um, but I'm walking back, and I can't see. I didn't think to grab my flashlight. I didn't think to do, you know, grab the, the lantern or, you know, look for the fire because there were still some adults up. I could not see. And you know how many times I somehow made it to my destination, and on the way back, I couldn't see a thing. I can't tell you how many things I kicked my feet off of. But the worst part of it was is that I went to go get into my tent, but it wasn't my tent. It was my scoutmaster's tent. And next thing I know, I can remember this plain as day, I hear one of my assistant scoutmasters, a man by the name of Ed Helmuth, he just comes over and goes, no, 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 no. And he guided me with his flashlight back to my tent the importance of light in our life. It's the word of God that gives us light and that he has given to us. God's word is the vessel of that light. It's whenever we hide God's word within our heart that we are able uh, to present his word. It's God's word that saves us. It's God's word 
that we have today. God's word can be given to, the, God's word was given to us uh, through the gospel. Christ, the very word of God, came in the flesh in John 1, and we're not going to expound on that too much right now because we're going to come back to that here toward the end. But it was through the gospel, the very word of God coming uh, in the flesh that we were given God's word. It is the gospel that saves men. Romans 1, or sorry, yeah, Romans 1 and verse 16 tells us that for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's God's word that saves us. 1 Corinthians 15 Verses 1 through 4, and of course I didn't mark that down. That also tells us what the very gospel is. It tells us the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how we can be saved by that very gospel. That there is no way to eternal life but by that gospel that he has given to us. And that he found fit by the word of the Holy Spirit, which is sub-point number two. By the word given to us, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's given us this word. Oh, he used sinful men to write down these words but it was still his word. Whose word is it? God's word. Thy word. My words, meaning Christ, said that. That's the death, burial, and resurrection that saves men, that it's the word of God that saves us. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse... Uh, let me get to the right verse here. I put my marker in the wrong spot. <clears throat> in verse 21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time, but but by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We see the, also the same thing uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16 where it says that all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know what that word inspiration means? I'm sure many of you know it. It means God breathed. That even though God used sinful men to write down these words, He found it what words to write down? Oh, I praise God for it. That he found it fit to write these things down. We were talking this morning in Sunday school about potentially doing a, a study on the book of Judges. You know, even he found fit to write down a time in Israel's history as vile, as vile as the time of Judges. But let me tell you, there is still still profit in those. It shows us why we still need God. What happens when we turn away from God? The things that happen in our lives. God gave us this word as a guide in our lives. Which brings us to point number three this evening. The objective. The objective of God's word. The last part of that verse says, once again, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. We have God's word. We have the object, the physical embodiment of the word. And we see, lastly, the objective, the light, and a light unto my path. What's the point of a flashlight? What's the point of a lamp? What's the point of these fixtures up here? What do they do? They give us light. They point our direction. They show us where things are. Let me tell you, if we didn't have light up here and I'm walking around, there's a speaker right here. Oh, I could 
hit that and stumble forward? You know, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter number uh, 4, might be chapter number 5, someone can correct me on it later, where it tells us that the Old Testament, the, the prophets, and what was written down there, that's to correct us as a schoolmaster, corrects his students. That it's meant to uh, guide us in what we do. It's our very, once again, what does the B in Baptist stand for? It's the biblical authority in all matters of faith and practice. And I said that we'd be coming back uh, to John chapter 1. Go ahead and flip there. John chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verse number 1. And if you want to just go ahead and stay there, we're not, probably not going to be going back to that verse in Psalms. But in verse number 1, it says, In the beginning was the what? The Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him, meaning the Word, was the life, or yeah, was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is that light. What did he say to his disciples? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We see there in the beginning chapter of John that it was the life. The life was the light to all men. That the very word of God was the light to all men. Friend, let me tell you, let me, let me just put this out here. If you're not living by the Bible, if you're not reading your Bible daily, if you're not as, as, as Timothy, or Paul writes to Timothy, studying to prove thyself. If you're not studying to show thyself. What are you doing? The Bible very plainly tells us that it hid is the very light to our paths. You know, we live in a world today where you can't walk out the door. Walk out the door without being hit in the face with the ways of this world. You know, Pastor sent me a, uh, uh, an article a couple weeks ago about how only 48% of Americans, 48, that's less than half. Now, I went to Bristol. I'm not very good at that whole edumacation thing. 48% is definitely a lot less, or is a little bit less than half. Less than half of Americans go to church. Less than half of Americans have a way, have, have seen the light. Whereas back, back long, long before my time, everybody was in church. Sunday, everybody was in church. You know, the schools were reading the Bible to their students. They were praying. Everybody knew the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer. That we saw it on the buildings of courthouses and in government buildings. Now we've come to a point where there's congressmen in, in office who are saying that they are saying in their prayers that God is man or woman. That they're saying, who, whatever God is out there. And Congress, from right, right behind them, I, I can't remember if it's in the, it's in the room of the Congress of the uh, House of Representatives or out in the rotunda, where they have the Ten Commandments and, the, and Moses receiving the Ten Commandments on the wall. I, can't, I, I can almost guarantee that's not going to be there long. Folks, we live in a world today where, it's, where the quote is, it's okay to be gay. 
where the quote is, you do you, man. Believe me, I lived by that quote for a little while. There was no profit in it. Oh, you do you, man. I don't care what you do. I'm not going to share the gospel with you because I don't want to offend you. Oh, is that word offend? Let me tell you what offends me is that word I'm offended. I know it's a little bit of a paradox there. Everybody's offended by something anymore. Everybody. But what did it start with? They took the very word of God out of the schools. They took the very word of God off the government buildings. They took the very word of God out of our daily lives. You know, I work in the, in the financial industry, and on the back of every dollar, I, every dollar I give out, I hope, is a testimony, because it says, in God we trust. In God I trust. In all things. In all things, I trust my Savior. Let me tell you, it's a lot e- it, to, to me, it's a lot easier believing in somebody who was willing to come to earth and to live a sinless life, but still take his cross. That was meant for me. That was meant for Marty. That was meant for Bob and for Emily and for Cletith. That cross was meant for us. But what did Jesus do? He took our cross for us. You know, last week we, we heard about how the tomb was empty, was empty. Oh, I praise God for that empty tomb. I praise God for that empty tomb because I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living no matter what men may say. Oh, I love that empty tomb. I love that cross. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are against preaching. They say that they're Christian. And that means nothing to them. That means absolutely nothing to them. But in the Corinthians, we see, in 1 Corinthians 1, in verse 18, it says that for the preaching of the cross is foolishness. Foolishness. But to those of us who are saved, can't emphasize that enough, who are saved, it is the power of God. The power of God. The very word of God. You know, Jesus as I come to a little bit of a close here, Jesus in the garden before, on the night of which he was betrayed, he was praying for God, and can I just, or praying to God, and can I just say that in that time, he was praying for us? In that time, in a time where he was saying, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass, but not my will, thy will be done. In that time, he was praying for us. The church, his bride, he was praying for us and saying, sanctify them through thy word. What does it say next? Thy word is truth. I believe every word, every jot, every dot, every tittle. I don't, you know, Brother Tom and I were talking right before, right before the meeting here. He has a new, newer Bible made with goat skin. It's a nice Bible. This is made of calf split leather, gold, gold edge lined paging. Oh, it's a nice Bible. It's got the concordance in the back and the maps. and Oh, it's a very nice Bible. Let me tell you, I could care less of what it's made out of. 
oh, I could care less. I'm a, I'm a bit of a Bible collector myself. But it's not because of what they're made out of. It's not the, the calf split leather or the end page or even in the beginning of mine has the translators to the reader and the table of contents and the concordance and the maps. What matters to me is what's from Genesis to Revelation. Every word. Every word. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We're teaching our kids that in, in uh, Kids Connection. In the beginning, God created. Can I tell you that there's some doctrines out there that say God just took what was here and morphed it? That there's doctrine out there that says, well, it could have been, you know, that it, between verse 1 and verse 2, it could have been a couple thousand years. Can I just say that puts, one thing that just gets me on that, that puts death before sin. Is that possible? Have death before sin? Why do I know that? Final authority in all matters. What does all mean? All always means all. Final authority in all matters of faith and practice. That includes, <laughs> that includes my salvation. The Bible says that I can know that heaven is, can be my home. And friend, let me tell you, if you don't know that heaven is your home today, you may have been coming to church and saying, oh, I go to church and I've been on the right path. I've been, you know, just, I, I've been praying here or there, but I'm still not sure. The Bible says that, y that ye may know that you have eternal life. Oh, I praise God that he wrote down that we can know. There's so many people out there that say, I don't know. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. Jesus rose from that tomb. Jesus ascended to heaven. Jesus said, I will return. Brother Tom, thank you this morning for reminding us that Jesus promised he would return. Titus 1-2 tells us that God can never lie. Never lie. You don't know today that heaven will be your home. That heaven will be your home. Today is the day. Your tomorrows aren't promised, folks. You may have been coming to this church for anywhere from 10 minutes to one year, three years. My three, I've been here for three years already. Man, time sure flies when you're having fun. Three years, 50 years, 70 years. You don't know if Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, that heaven will be your home. Today is the day. Every head bowed and every eye closed.